0: On this week's episode, LFA Bantamweight Christian, the Poit Pounda Natividad, joins the show. Christian and I talk about his LFA 100 win, his journey from wrestling at Arizona State to MMA. We also get into his relationship with Big Brother Kev and how it's impacted his career and predictions leading up to UFC 259. So let's get into it.
1: I'm super stoked, man. I'm super stoked. Yeah. How's it man. going, man? How's your night been so far? Uh, right. What time is it? Where are you at right now?
0: We're actually out of San Antonio, so South Texas.
1: Okay, Uh, what time is it over there? You guys are just like an hour ahead, right? It's an hour ahead, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah,
0: not too bad. Yeah. yeah. How's it man? How's Arizona treating you so far? That's uh, good, man. Uh,
1: It's uh, a lot of dust flying around. And it's crazy because uh, I just started getting allergies two years ago. Dude, my allergies are killing me right now. So I'm going to be sniffling throughout the uh throughout the entire podcast. But Join the hopefully club. you can't hear it. Dude, yeah, it sucks, man. And, I, and it sucks because like people think it's COVID. And I got I got tested on Sunday, and I told them it's it's negative, but I'm just gonna be sneezing and running nose a lot.
0: But it's funny because I had that same issue trying to hold in a cough or a sneeze. You know, I'll go to a local you know restaurant because here in Texas yeah. it's open right now. And I think yesterday mm-hmm. they they sent an announcement saying that they're gonna open all businesses at 100 percent capacity. Masks aren't gonna be oh, required shoot. no more. Yeah, we don't have to wear a mask anymore. I still wear mine, but. Yeah, like yeah, I'm at the restaurant and I'm holding in a cough or a sneeze because I don't want people turning their heads, looking at me like, you know, <laughs> sideways, like, hey, you know, what are you doing I mean, here?
1: Dude, um, it's so crazy how fast that switched because now, like, the sneeze or a cough is, like, frowned upon, especially in public, man. That's crazy. It's, there, it's right? nuts how, like, times have changed, yeah. That's sick, though, 100%, dude. 100%, yeah. 100% capacity. Because businesses, yeah, that's they're going to
0: have the, um, the option to either have us wear masks when we come in. Or the one in four. It's like that no shoes, no shirt, no service type of mentality that we yeah. are carrying right now. Yeah. But yeah to be honest, to... I, I yeah, um, I kind of like the sound of that. Like, yeah, just
1: like a step closer to getting back to normal.
0: You know, congrats. You made history. LFA 100. You know what I mean? That's LFA 100. That's yeah. Badass. And I was going to ask you because, again, we're talking about this whole, uh, you know, things kind of going back to normal. There's fans in, in attendance, correct? Yeah, there was. And they were all booing me. (laughs) I heard that. Yeah, they were all booing. Yeah,
1: because his hometown is Wichita. We fought in Wichita. And it's I've never been in a setting before where I've been booed. Like even when I win, I get booed like off the stage. It's it's insane. I, I can't imagine a full audience that boos me, like especially when I end up fighting like same scenario again, but when times are regular fighting someone at their hometown because that's definitely something that I like to do uh, dethroning someone at their own hometown you know in their own territory you go and conquer yeah it, it, it's a different it's a different kind of feeling it's awesome having like your fans around you but being the underdog inside the in the venue I feel like it's just it's even better because everyone is like rooting against you you know
0: Here in the booth for the first time going into a fight you know it's the nerves they start to set in. Mm-hmm. When you're again like the villain, you play the villain role. Does that kind of change yeah. like, the way you attack your game plan in a sense? Or common collective, like always, Christian?
1: You know, so it, it was crazy. Uh coming into this fight, like when I got to the venue, completely no nerves, like zero. And w- what I'm saying, like zero, like there were no nerves at all. And it was to the point where I didn't even feel like I was fighting. And what it was, I don't know what happened, but As soon as I got to the venue, I just went into autopilot and I could not clock in and I could not get focused for my fight. And um, it didn't even settle in that I was fighting until my opponent got into the cage and we touched gloves and I was like, I'm actually fighting. I'm about to throw down right now. So zero nerves at all. Um, The game plan did change a little bit, but not because of the pressure, but because of where my mind was at. It was a little bit different.
0: When I saw the matchup in reference to your fight against Evan, we'll see. I know he was on a five-year layoff, give or take.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: seeing your past two fights, honestly, I thought you are going to go in, clock in, clock out, in and out first round. But watching the fight, Christian, I think it actually benefited you. You, you added some skins on the walls. You went all three rounds. You went into uncharted territories. Mm-hmm. You showcase what a mixed martial artist is from mm-hmm. the first round to the third and I love to see it because I saw all different aspects of weapons you had you know your left hook that's like your bread and butter that is what put people to sleep but the fact mm-hmm. that you're wrestling that is your that, actually let me rephrase that your wrestling is your bread and butter your striking is your second mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. implemented that ground and pound you know you took him to the ground you controlled you dictated where the fight went I'll give mm-hmm. props to Evan hard head man he can take a punch oh
1: yeah yeah he he definitely can and the crazy thing is when you look at this guy on paper, you, you would think he's not good at all. He has a losing boxing record. He's, uh I think, 2-1-2 two two now uh, in M- MMA. But when you look at, at exactly who he's fought, everyone that he fought in boxing are all studs. A lot of them are like undefeated, 15-0, 11 knockouts or whatever it is. The only person that he lost to in MMA is Chris Gutierrez, who is in the UFC. And I know he's uh making a killing in it right now. Uh, in the UFC so the reason why his record is the way the way it is is because he accepts any fights and the fights that he accepts lots uh, wow. of people yeah and then the 5 year layoff like in MMA that's what a lot of people saw uh he hasn't fought in boxing for a few years also but he's been competing in uh kickboxing and uh muay thai and you don't you don't really see any of that on uh on the internet unless you like research pretty hard so um as far as like the layoffs go he was still actively training actively competing so it was for him it was like any other fight
0: well at first I figured I thought 20 more seconds Christian you would have finished them
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, the guy was really tough and uh kind of like what you said clocking in and clocking out since I was an autopilot and since I could not uh focus myself I just uh tried to And the fight right away and that's exactly where i uh went wrong i try to force the knockout and anytime you try to force anything never works out and i try to force that knockout it made my punches a half second slower and uh i just started winding up my punches so as far as uh forcing the knockout i mean i couldn't get the knockout because it i just didn't let
0: it happen well speaking of knockouts you know you had back-to-backs against i believe um one was against Michael Alkia, and the other one was against uh, Hogan, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, the feeling, Christian, the, the energy that runs through the, the veins after a beautiful KO. Give me some details. How does that feel?
1: It's insane, man. So you would think fighting as an amateur, you would uh, pretty much conquer all of everything that you're com- uncomfortable in. But as an amateur, everything that I did, if you watch all of my amateur fights, uh, if you're able to ever watch them, I usually take the person down, ground and pound, submit, or uh, TKO them. I have never knocked anyone out on the feet. Um, Ever since the quarantine started, ever since COVID became a thing, my coach really focused on our stand-up game. And I started to build confidence with that. And after my first fight, especially, I dropped him with one of my... uh, like within the first 10 punches, I, I don't know how many punches I threw, but I dropped him with a left hook. And um, after that, uh, that knockdown, I just built so much confidence. And I thought to myself, wow, I could really knock someone out on the feet. And so I, I just threw all that confidence. I let the guy back up, knocked him out cold and pretty much the uh, same thing for my second fight. And it's it's an awesome feeling, man. And it, to be honest, it feels like you don't even hit the person. When you throw a punch and when they fall down, it feels like you hit air, but you see the guy fall down. It's it's an awesome feeling. Awesome feeling.
0: So you mentioned your amateur career and great report card, you know, leading up to your pros. I know you started mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu back in what, 2012, 2011, give yeah. or take. Okay. And then it progressed. Mm-hmm. And then I believe, what 2016, you took your first fight.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: So let's give props where props is due. You know, big brother Kev, he pretty much dragged mm-hmm. you into a gym and told you "Hey, let's train. Um, I know you kind of mm-hmm. went over this plenty of times in other interviews, Christian, about you know how you got into the fight game. But just to sum it up real quick, big brother takes little brother, brings him along for the ride, and you just kind of just take mm-hmm. off with it pretty much. Yeah,
1: and it was honestly very spontaneous. Uh one day my brother said, Hey, you should come to jujitsu with me. And I said, Okay. And I showed up and it was an a different feeling, man, to like go to a gym, wrestle, and let all of those uh I don't know how to say it like stress anger all that stuff out and after that first session that I had when I came home I was just happy and I decided to go back to the gym and every day that I left I felt happy even if it wasn't the day that I wanted where I because I was getting submitted every single day I mean I still do um but every time I leave I just feel like I had that release so it's it's a great feeling to go to the gym and uh
0: train. You were releasing what's called endorphins. Yeah, that, that that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 2016, you started your career, you know, it's progressing. We're already in 2021. You mm-hmm. went to ASU, you transferred from southern Oregon, correct? And you that's went correct. to ASU yeah. as a walk-on. And how did that mm-hmm. happen? Because I know you you grew up, I believe, in Hawaii. Yeah. And I believe you were there for a couple you were there pretty much <laughs> till probably what your late teens. And then you migrated to what? yeah
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so the story uh the way it happened so I started doing jujitsu back in uh 2011-2012 one of the two years and then I started wrestling the year after and um I was wrestling at James Campbell High School under Mark Bulo he was the head coach at the time my first year ever yeah (laughs) yeah my first year ever wrestling uh varsity I took third in state and I was like wow I got way further than I thought I would have went so the next year I was like if I could get third my first year, sec, or my second year, I could definitely get first place. And my senior year, I went undefeated, and I um, took uh, state in Hawaii, which was awesome. I decided to uh, wrestle at um, Southern Oregon University. I had a, a few colleges I was planning on going to, and I was actually had a Fulbright scholarship to Embry-Riddle, if you heard of that college, um, uh, the one in Prescott, Arizona, uh, because of my SAT scores. Uh, because of my SAT scores, I it didn't go through, and they actually flew me out there for an interview. They loved me, and while I was going through the process, they were like, "Hey, you actually don't qualify because your SAT scores." And I said, "Why didn't you tell me before I before I flew all the way out here?" So I just ended up going to my second pick school, which was uh, Southern Oregon, which was definitely not a bad choice because they're ranked number two in the NAIA division. I redshirted that year and. I decided that I wanted to wrestle D1 because if I'm going to be doing this thing, if I'm going to be wrestling, I want to be wrestling the best people out there. I want to have a name for myself in the sport. So I decided to transfer to ASU and there was a little, um, a little hiccup with that transfer. So to go from college to college, you need to get released from uh, the college that you're at before you even get in communication with the new college coaches. So I got asked to be released from Southern Oregon in February. And they did not release me until July, which is why I had to become a walk-on into ASU. Wow. So I had that few months, like pretty much delay because I could not get released from Southern Oregon. So um, by the time I got released, I got in contact with the coach at ASU and they said, you pretty much just have to walk on. And what I did for the walk-on, it's pretty pretty crazy. I just had to wrestle someone on the team. So I wrestled, uh, yeah, so I just wrestled one of their first year people. He was not a starter, but I majored him. And so um, they, they brought me, you know, I, was the, I was the only walk-on that year. I was the only one who made it onto the team. And uh, halfway through the season, I just decided, my brother's living with me. He's training at a gym. Uh, there's other things that I don't want to be doing right now. I wanted to be commissioned as an officer in the military. Um, and I could, it, it would have been hard for me to balance ROTC and wrestling at a D1 level. So I decided to just do ROTC MMA on the side and ROTC kind of fell off. And I just, my goals changed by then. And I just wanted to pursue MMA.
0: So you brought your brother with you to ASU. You have him Mm at one of your roommates, Mm -hmm. a gym, what about a mile, two miles away from you, your current gym, I might add. So Mm -hmm. what happened? Kev just walks in and tags you along as well.
1: Uh, So pretty much the way it happened, uh, when, when I decided that I wanted to go to ASU, my brother was still living in Hawaii. He was still an amateur. I went ahead and I texted him. And it was literally this quick. Sent him a text. Hey, I'm planning on going to ASU. Do you want to be my roommate? Next text message was yes. Right on. And yeah, it was that quick. And uh, as soon as I pretty much had everything settled to go to ASU, I went to Arizona. He went to Arizona. And uh, while I was waiting for the tryouts to happen, I was actually training at Arizona Combat Sports staying in shape, making sure my wrestling stays up to par. So I was already training MMA, doing jujitsu, learning some stand up, and most importantly, wrestling. And by the time the tryouts happened, I was ready, walked onto the team and I just missed that MMA grind. When I was at uh, the wrestling room, I was like, I want to do some jujitsu. I want to throw a couple of strikes. And yeah, I just quit the team.
0: It sounds like it was in the blood, you know, you're calling.
1: Yeah. I would not change a thing. Like I, I mean, I do have a couple of regrets here and there because I'd, Sometimes I do wish I was on that roster. I had that on my resume where I could say I wrestled a full four years for ASU. But at the same time, if I did pursue uh, my career in that uh, in that route, I would not be where I am today. And I'm happy where I'm at. I have a great job. I have a great career. I have a girlfriend that I love. I, I'm just in the perfect spot right now.
0: You're making your bones, mm-hmm. Christian. You're making your yeah. bones. You're 23 years old. You know you're young in the sport. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is you know Arizona Combat Sports was just what you said about two miles away from your college. It's like a blessing mm-hmm. in disguise, man. Oh yeah,
1: hundred percent is. And uh, so the way we actually found Arizona Combat Sports. So when I told my brother, "Hey, you want to move in with me?" He said, "Yes." I started to look for the MMA gyms like around us, and he said, "I actually have a gym to go to," and it was the MMA Lab with John Crouch, which is all the way in Glendale, probably like. A 30, 45 minute drive away from where we live. Great gym, super super great gym. A lot of studs from that gym. A lot of huge names over there. But the coach that my brother was training with in Hawaii, he said, "Hey, you should actually go to Arizona Combat Sports because I trained those. Uh, I trained the uh, head coaches over there, uh, Todd and Trevor Lally." So my my brother was like, "Okay, Arizona Combat Sports, it is," and it works out because it was literally right down the road of where we live. So as soon as we went there, we saw a lot of people that we recognized on TV. Uh, the technique was there, uh, the the coaching was there, and we just fell fell in love with the gym. Uh, just recently, we started training over at Fight Ready, and that's where Cejudo is. Cejudo, that's, right. that's where yeah, uh, Corrales, a bunch of other um, big names, and they're all lighter weight classes too. So we have a ton of uh, sparring partners over there.
0: That's good, That's great. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that your brother's probably your best sparring partner. In reference to training. I can't imagine, man, being a fly on the wall, watching y'all scrap, you know, and growing up together. It's just yeah. It's how many years are y'all apart? Uh he's
1: so I um I'm 24 actually. LFA had my had my birthday wrong. Uh and he's 27, turning 28 next month. So he's about pretty much four four years older than I am
0: so I couldn't imagine both y'all ASU listen I went to college and we played John football and what mm-hmm. I know about ASU party school man oh party school man party one school one story Christian yeah
1: give me one yeah story, man. uh so uh crazy thing man uh as soon as I moved here to ASU or moved here to Arizona I actually stopped partying when I was going to Southern Oregon. You'd be surprised. It was a small school, but I was partying hard. I was blacking out. I used to be that guy who every time they drink, black out. Would not remember a thing. As soon as I went to ASU, I cut the parting out. I just started focusing all on MMA. Um, the parts where I did um, pretty much start parting again was when I tore my ACL. Um, my girlfriend's going to hate this when so she listens to it. Funny story that I had. I, was using t- I used to use Tinder. Tinder... Um, it's 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 a good app. it's it's fun, yeah, you, you have a lot of fun on there. So one day, I decided to go to this girl's house and we were drinking at her house and everything was good. Her roommate comes home, and while me and the girl are watching um uh, watching a movie, her roommate comes home and looks at me all funny and um I was like, why are you looking at me like that? And so I'm cuddling with the girl, and the other girl comes on my side and she starts leaning on me and I'm like, this is this is a good life, man. this is this is awesome. And then, I, I started to, it started to click in like this girl on my right. Like she looks familiar. I wonder who she is. The thing was I matched with both of them on Tinder and I was talking to the both of them on Tinder and they were both at the house and they were roommates.
0: Damn. Yeah. So
1: that's a funny story. That's um I have a lot more stories to go with, but
0: uh,
1: I'm just going to cut it and cut it at that. <laughs>
0: hey, that's a crazy one. Yeah. College life. You know, it was, uh, it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You mixed party with education and then, with you being the athlete yourself, student athlete, Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine. But for the most part, yeah, you know, uh, ASU, you know, when I saw that you went there, I'm like, damn, the urge to fight having to not go to one of these parties and going to train instead, they don't talk about that, man. You know what I mean? They don't talk about the lifestyle. Some of y'all have outside of the gym outside of fighting, you know, you're you're just like, Mm -hmm. just like us. Sometimes, you know, You, you go and you have the same urges like everyone else. But the thing that I respect most about fighters, fighters like yourself, Christian, is the discipline.
1: And, you know, that's where I have to thank my brother. That's where I have to give credit to him. Because if I didn't have my brother, if I didn't have him keeping me accountable, I would be partying probably pretty often. Uh, He pretty much set that standard for me. Because when I went to Oregon, when I was going to college in Oregon, I was partying a lot. And the reason why I was partying a lot was because I didn't have that guy to tell me, hey, you shouldn't party. You should focus on your uh, wrestling career. As soon as we moved to uh, Arizona, I had my brother there as my roommate. And he would pretty much kind of like frown upon if I were ever to tell him, hey, I'm going to go drink or I'm going to go to a party. Like he would like look down on that. So I just, um, I never really did it until I tore my ACL and I had nothing to do. So he, he understood at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Some people um, would kill to be in your situation, Christian, having that big brother role model, you know, to get you straight. It's one thing for, to have like a training partner or, you know, a friend, but when you have like blood that I grew up in diapers together, it's, that's a different, it's a different world.
1: It is. And it's, it's a different relationship too. Man. Uh, the relationship my brother and I have, we were, we're best training partners. We're best uh, competitors with each other. We're best I guess you could even say enemies, because when we're at the gym, I mean, we, at the end of the day, we do want to help each other grow, but at the same time, we're competing against each other, and that's what makes us so good. It's because I'm trying to be better than my brother, and my brother's trying to be better than me, and we're not trying to be better than each other at the point where we're trying to bring want each other down, but we're trying to bring each other up. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the the Poi Pounda, the nickname. Poi Pounda.
0: How'd
1: you get it, man? So... Um, Something that I love about my gym too, we never give our nicknames to ourselves. Our nicknames are given to us from other people. So my brother's nickname, Quicksand, it was given given to uh my brother by one of our training partners just based off his uh Jiu-Jitsu style. Uh, my nickname, it came uh in February. That's when I had my last amateur fight for the featherweight title. If you could believe that, like I fought fought for the featherweight title as an amateur. But so if he for those people who don't know what poi is, it's something that's edible, comes from tarot. The way you make it pretty much is you pound it place, right? with a stone. Yeah, yeah. So you pound it and um, yeah, you, you pretty much just pound it, throw some water, pound it, all that good stuff. In my fight in February, when I was, uh, like, I, like I told you, I used to take the people down and just like either submit them or um, ground and pounding, and win by TKO. So I got the mount. On this guy and I started pounding his face like <laughs> this. And then um I was surprised because we're in Arizona and there's a lot of people from Hawaii there. And my brother especially he was just yelling and I could hear him he, he was saying give him the poi pounder and I was just banging his face like this and You're then like, he turned him, over bro. to his back. <laughs> yeah he turned to his back and then I won by TKO. And then ever since then uh my brother and my roommate at the time uh Cody Lewis they would just call me the poi pounder. And it, yeah. It, and it wasn't set until my first professional fight in the LFA. Uh I was literally at the venue. We we're probably 20 minutes away from walking out. And my coach said, you don't have a nickname, Bob Pounder, I like it. And know. so he ran out. He ran out. He went up to uh, uh Mike Kendall, the announcer, and he said, hey, Christian Natividad. Nickname is Poi Pounder and it's stuck ever since. And everyone loves it. It's a it's an awesome nickname, man. And it's it's very unique. It's unique,
0: yeah, it's different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Ground like Pound, man. You could have picked a better nickname. You know, you are vicious on the ground. And I it's funny because mm-hmm. when I watch you, Christian, and I watch you scrap, you know, the stand-up game, he's dangerous. Man, this kid is going to be going up the ranks quick, you know. I, I see mm-hmm. that I see you in the next two to three years. Honestly, Christian, it's not that I'm kissing your ass. But in the next two to three years, I actually see you in the UFC easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. Mm-hmm. Just keep that mentality, man, that that discipline. And the fact that you do have big brother Kev on your side helps. But Christian, like, you're a fucking beast. Man. Thanks, man. You're I appreciate beast. that. Favorite submission? Uh, favorite submission probably um, has to be
1: Kimura. Sure. Um, I know I know. I haven't really displayed a lot of jiu-jitsu yet, especially uh, in the LFA. I was just in his guard throwing a little bit of ground and pound. But Kimura is probably uh, my favorite submission.
0: Nice, nice. Well, that left hook—it's mm-hmm. dangerous too.
1: Yeah, so yeah. That left hook is—it it is. And the, the thing that I love, and I'm so glad I, after my ACL surgery, man, I really got humbled, and I really became a student again, where I could um, uh, just sit back and take advice from other people, even people that have never set a foot in the cage, but have an idea with MMA, and they see something that they think they they um think I could implement. I'm always a student every single day, every time I'm at the gym. Um there, I have so many more things that I have to learn. And I noticed one thing that I didn't do in this last fight was throw kicks. So hopefully within one of these uh next few fights, it won't just be my left hook, it'll probably be a right hit kick. We'll see.
0: You know who does a real good job at that? Um Al-Germain Sterling. He throws a kick oh, yeah, he's, you know, with an overhand.
1: Yeah, and he's fighting uh fighting this weekend. He has a tough uh a tough, tough opponent this weekend. It's gonna it's going to be fireworks.
0: Before I let you go, Christian, let's talk some UFC. You a fan? Oh,
1: 100%, man. 100, 100%, 100%. My brother's in the UFC, so I, I
0: got to be a fan. Oh, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. But you can yeah. see these fighters, like, yeah. oh, I don't watch these fights, or I don't follow this, or you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I'll we try to talk, you know, UFC to an extent where, you know, the popular fighters, like mm-hmm. that type of talk. But before we get into uh 259, and I'm going to kind of just get your prediction. But before that, mm-hmm. Overeem and Dos Santos they got cut today, man. Legends. Yeah,
1: yeah, I saw that. Legends. Yeah, they're they're out of the UFC. So I saw um I actually saw both coming to be honest, just based off their last performances and based off um Dana White's past few decisions where he sees that like Anderson Silver, for example, he said, I don't see any point for him to be fighting for me if he's just getting his life into danger. Same thing for JDS and um Overeem. I mean. They're still hammers. They could still knock a yeah. good amount of people out on the roster. But at this point, the damage that they take in their fights at the age that they're at, it's it's not safe for them. So um, as much as I hate to see them leave the roster, it is, I'd say, a blessing in disguise, and it is the best for them.
0: Let me ask you this, Christian. In your opinion, how many losses would you give a UFC fighter before you, they should be cut?
1: It depends. It depends. So um, it depends how how your performances were. so let's say you just get knocked out knocked out uh two times in a row i'd say that probably be it um to be honest i would want to say at least three but because with the small gloves sometimes it just takes one but being knocked out twice in a row i know dana white doesn't like like how that looks um if you lose by decision then i'd probably say three to four depending if
0: you give a good bite so back to ovary your favorite uh ovary moment uh over my favorite ovary moment ah uh, to be honest like the only things i could think of on the top
1: of my head are the times he's been knocked out i knew it
0: <laughs> That i was like yeah lip. the split lip you yeah the erosion streak with like five seconds left and i think was massive yeah but if I had to pick one, it'd probably be when he beat Brock Lesnar. I think it was UFC 141, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, man, Ooh. over and getting knocked the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, in a weird way, art.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. That guy is a stud. And it's crazy how long he's been fighting, too. I'm yeah. Yeah, just, like, over 2, the years. Um,
0: That's where he started? K-1? Yeah he,
1: yeah. he was a stud, man. He was a uh, – it's just crazy. And, yeah, he, he's just a different animal. Especially before, I think he had like testosterone of like fourteen different men, right?
0: Right. Yeah. He looked like supposed the, to be. Yeah. One of those like um, Troy, the people from Troy. You know, the the three hundred. Oh, uh, yeah, shit. just jacked. Yeah,
1: jacked yeah, yeah. It was huge, man. So, uh, when my brother was supposed to fight Brian Kelleher, we actually walked across him, and I know he's not as jacked as he used to be, but that guy is still ginormous, man. He is huge. Yeah, yeah he's jacked. Um, yeah.
0: So since we're talking in terms of over him and you know trying to. Gonna remember some of his uh, favorite moments. Let's go with Dos Santos' favorite moment on, on his end. Uh, <laughs>
1: there are, there are a couple things like especially when he was champ. Um, shoot, my I've been getting hit in the head way too much, so I can't even remember a lot of his fights. Actually, um, yeah, th- to be honest, the only thing I could remember right now, um, and it's not actually a fight that he's had in the UFC, but uh, his sparring against um Shogun. When he was sparring him in the gym, I used to watch that a lot just because uh, at the time when I was watching it, I was very uneducated with uh, the stand-up game. So just being able to see like at the level they're at and how they're mixing it up, I was always mind blown. Even if it was the 20th time watching it, I was still mind blown and I tried to mimic uh, the
0: techniques that they're doing. See, I grew up a King Velasquez fan. So when mm-hmm. Los Santos took his belt the first time and then they ran it mm-hmm. back and then they had that third fight in Houston, I believe I got to see that fight mm-hmm. live Christian and uh, yeah. seeing these big boys throw the way they throw at a UFC level like that. And mm-hmm. it, it was, it was insane. But Cain Velasquez again, kept that strap and continued, but uh, Dos Santos, he's one of the good guys and to see him not be in the UFC anymore. It's, it sucks because at the same time it's it's the changing of the guard you know what i mean like mm-hmm. a lot of these fighters that you know we used to watch in what mm-hmm. early to like mid 2000s on give or two, late, late 2000s on they're already starting mm-hmm. to diminish a little bit falling off
1: yeah know. and it's crazy because uh mma it's such a short career um all these people that are fighting for a long time anderson silva Overeem, uh dos santos it's it's insane man like they've been fighting for this long they've been because they, those guys hustle too, they're not as good as they are because they're gifted. It's also because they train hard. So just having their body, being able to take all that punishment throughout all the years, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And Cain Velasquez too. I, I gotta mention, he's an ASU guy, man. Yeah, He came from ASU. That's so right. That's it's right. awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's
0: man. Yeah. He's a nice guy. You know, uh, I remember they had an expo in Houston years back and, uh you know, uh, going out there and, you know, just, you know, mingling with the fighters at that time. Anderson Silva was running things. John Jones, GSP. Um, You know, you had, uh, I believe, what else did you have? I think you had the WEC still in the mix. I think they had Miguel Torres mm-hmm. come over. You know, but again, long story short, it was forever ago. So uh let's mm-hmm. fast forward to uh to this weekend, man. I know I'm going to probably post this episode probably after the weekend. But let me get your predictions mm-hmm. real quick, Christian, in reference to UFC 259. Let's go with the... Uh, yeah. Let's go with uh, Peter Jan and uh, Al Jermaine Sterling. Who do you got? So that one, uh,
1: I don't know who the underdog is, but I'm going to have to go with uh, Sterling, Sterling just because I, I think that guy, yeah, I think that guy's a hammer man, and the way I think it's going to play out, I think Sterling's going to take him down, and I think he's just going to control him on top, and uh, that's just how I see it playing. Yeah,
0: the way he did Sandhagen, mm-hmm. get him dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be
1: a tough fight though. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Peter Jan is prepared for everything, and that guy has nasty hands. Yeah. So um, it, if Peter Yan were to win. I think it'd be by knockout.
0: So you have Sterling winning or do you have him losing?
1: I, I have Sterling winning, by but submission. the, the only by a uh, probably decision, but the only way I see Jan winning is by
0: knockout. If there were, or yeah. 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 So let's go to the next bout. Amanda Nunez against Megan Anderson. The- that one is <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, that one's pretty
1: simple, man. You got to have to go with the go. Um, I've seen Megan Anderson, uh, Fight before I think she's great. I think she's really really good. But Amanda Nunes, I think she could take out most of the people, even on the men's roster. You know, she is she is an animal.
0: Um, yeah, she's. Got, I think she's at a twelve hundred favorite too, Christian. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. She she she's amazing everywhere. She, and just the way she did, um cyborg. Because I know, yeah, I would be scared to fight Cyborg. Like I, I'm intimidated just probably even looking at Cyborg. She she looks scary and she is a heavy hitter. And for Amanda Nunes to beat her the way that she did, it just like it's hard to root against her, especially like the way she uh, knocked out Holly Holm as well. Yeah, she's she's on a different
0: level. Speaking of Cyborg, I remember her ex husband when he got his head caved in by MVP. Remember that fight oh. a couple of years ago. I saw that yesterday. I was watching, yeah. uh, like, 15 cra- craziest knockouts," and uh, mm-hmm. I saw that it was number one. And I'm like, "Whoa!" And I remember, and I went on my phone. And I looked up like the mm-hmm. pictures of the skull, and that thing was broken in.
1: Yeah, don't remind me, man. And it's crazy how MVP acted the way after destroying the Pokeball. And I mean, he he's a very confident guy. He the what he has that following because the way he is and uh, his fighting style. So it's it's great that he did did that, but. At the same time, man, that knee to the face, oh, so much pain, so much pain for him. They they call him Cyborg's husband Cyborg also, right?
0: Yeah, same nickname or ex. husband yeah. I don't think they're married anymore, but I think they had the same okay. the same nickname. Yeah, that I, I can't imagine the pain that he went through. So the main event. Let's go with the, yeah. Let's go with Jon versus Izzy. What do you got? So I don't know. Again,
1: I don't know who the favorite is, but I'm gonna have to go with uh, Izzy. I think Izzy is. Um, on a different level for striking as well. Uh, I, I think he, on the feet, it's going to be, I don't want to say easy game for Izzy, but I mean, just with all of his kickboxing experience, I think he's just going to overwhelm Blokovic. But at the same time, like with the little gloves, like I said earlier, sometimes it just takes one and Blokovic is a heavy-handed, heavy-handed guy. So, and he's probably a lot bigger than Izzy as well. So one punch might be all it takes, one but takes. I'm pretty sure... I'm Pretty sure the style bender, he could evade those punches and throw his strikes and uh
0: get out. I think Izzy's at a 230 mm-hmm. favorite, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, two thirty, two forty. But yeah. Izzy's the favorite. Yeah, I mm-hmm. see his life, yeah. yeah. I see, and I got Izzy knockout. Honestly, no, you know what? I'm gonna take Izzy decision.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could see knockout or decision. I think,
0: um, I he's gonna knockout? win the fight.
1: Oh, oh, definitely, especially with the kicks he has. Um, Three points. I mean, it. It, sometimes it just takes one punch and it's usually the punch that you don't see is he's a lot quicker and um, he's good with his ankles and he's good at especially mixing it up so I think one of those punches or kicks I'm just going to slip through and Jan blokovic won't see it and it's going to be good night. Well,
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. Alright, Christian, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time.
1: Oh, definitely, man. Thank you for having me, man. I, I had a great time uh, uh, on your show.
0: Excellent, excellent. Alright, guys, we're Punches Podcast. We'll see you all next week.